Killers, man. Oh, uh, catch you coming out your fucking crib, nigga. You bullet, nigga. Keep it Hey, yo, I break bread, ribs, hundred dollar bills, fail on the cotties, another four wheels, write a book full of medicine and generate mills. Saw the album, only for more sales. We used to catch those on the block with crails. Now it's paid shows. Promoters post up bills. Side deals only if the math is real. If we can't match numbers, then you can't have a head nigga in charge of shit. Live nigga rhymes artists. Pardon. P-dub shines regardless. Remorseless. Haunt niggas like poltergeist. My vice for a get like that. Just think twice before you move on it. Put jewels on it. Who want it? Loose niggas make the news when we start forming. Snatch strikes off a nigga's uniform. Often. Don't embarrass it, Delph. You way out the jurisdiction. One nigga's bullshit on the grill. I don't 
don't fuck around, Dunny. It's most real. I keep it dull, nigga. Yo, let me back up on. Let me back up. Yo, yo. Why niggas bullshit on the grill? I don't fuck around, Dunny. It's most real. I gave birth to your whole style and fail. I do it fail. To hold my dick in public. Cock blower. Duplicate rap cloner. It's me and you do it live on stage for Dolo. I smack niggas like you. Smash niggas by the tools. Grab niggas by the throat. So I'm cool. Oh, yeah. This is your motherfucking boy, King Known Uncensored, live and drunk and direct. Whoa. This is King Known Uncensored, game six. There will be a game seven. I knew the shit was going to happen, but I didn't know how it was going to happen. All I could really say is, wow. I am so glad that I came home and caught the ending of this. Because I think I watched the last five minutes of the game. You know, niggas got lives and shit. Don't judge me, judge your mama. What do I always say about close games? If it's decided by a bucket, no one could really be blamed. But however... In this particular case, I think Jimmy Butler might be to blame because he had an awful performance. But we'll get to that later. Where do I start before I get to this Scottie Pippen bullshit? Because I'm tired of this tiki mask, crash bandicoot looking ass nigga. I'm tired of Chester Cheetah talking shit about the GOAT. And I don't even like Michael Jordan. And I have to sit here and defend this nigga. Ridiculous. But before we get to even that, D'Angelo Russell was seeking a four-year deal worth over $100 million before being dealt to the Los Angeles Lakers. And from what I hear from the streets, the Lakers are not going to give him the max. Fair. I got nothing. I got no counter for that. I think that the Lakers are right for not, you know, Giving this motherfucker the max. I don't think Buddy deserves the max. I truly don't. But, you know, if the Lakers can't get Kyrie, that would be the second best option in my opinion. LeBron James is expected to return from for uh, next season and fulfill his contract and will go through with uh, surgery on what is described as a torn tendon. Now, many people alluded to LeBron James making this injury. I was one of those people that actually believed that he had been hurt. I think he's been that foot been fucked up for quite a while. And he definitely needs to do something about that if he's going to last another season in this game. The Dallas Mavericks are not planning to help Kyrie Irving in a potential sign-in trade. I mean, why would you want to do a sign-in trade when your main intention is to build around 
Kyrie and Luka Doncic. And that is also a report that the Dallas Mavericks are intending to not only re-sign Kyrie Irving to the max, but to build an actual team that enhances Luka and Kyrie's game. And I think that's a great idea. The Brooklyn Nets have interest in Damian Lillard, and it's very real. I mean, a lot of people have uh, (laughs) intentions on bringing um, Damian Lillard to their squad, but Damian Lillard would be the superstar that Mike McCall Bridges, Cam Johnson needs. Even though McCall Bridges proved that he could be a solid number one option dur- during the season. But if Brooklyn gets Damian Lillard, we, the East would be very fucking interesting. I mean, Brooklyn was a sixth seed last year. I think with him, he'd probably be a, they'd probably be a fourth or a fifth seed. The Milwaukee Bucks are hiring Raptors assistant coach Adrian Griffin as a head coach. This will be his first head coaching gig in the NBA. He's been an assistant coach throughout his coaching career, and this is his first opportunity to shine. You know, I am, you know, he was known as a glue guy in Dallas. But I don't know too much about him other than he was a former NBA player and his son currently plays for the Atlanta Hawks. That's the only information that I have on Adrian Griffin. You know, you know me, I'm from the show me state, even though I'm not from fucking Missouri, but I'm from the show me state. You got to show up to blow up. I don't know how Giannis is going to, I mean, I guess, I don't know about this hire. This was a weird hire, in my opinion. I would have thought that a more seasoned coach would be the pick, like a guy like Nick Nurse. I feel like a cat like Nick Nurse or Sam Cassell, even though I understand that Sam Cassell doesn't have any head coaching experience either. But based on what I've seen from Sam, I am, he's been long overdue or Mark Jackson even kind of shocked about this hire, but we'll see. We'll see if Adrian Griffin can do a better job than Mike Budenholzer, which is a very tall task for a very brand new coach. Oh boy. Shannon Sharp's home in LA was burglarized last week and cops said the thieves made off with around a million dollars in goods. Let me tell you something. God don't like ugly. God is watching. <laughs> That's my only response to that. God is watching. God don't like ugly. 
God doesn't like liars. And I'm pretty sure God nailed him to the cross for being the ultimate blowjob master on LeBron James. Now, I don't think that anyone deserves to be robbed of their goods. But at the same time, what you the negativity that you spew out in the atmosphere trying to take down athletes to make other athletes that you like seem better than the other and not having object you know having not being objective can lead to some karma sorry not sorry judge your mama let's get the scotty pippen mark ass because i'm fucking tired of this dude seriously chester cheetah i've had enough of, of this guy all right man i'm gonna read from this article in yahoo sports because um Yeah, I think I'm going to read this whole thing. I'm going to drag my feet on this one. All right. So, Scottie Pippen, this fucking idiot, said that Michael Jordan was a horrible player before Scottie Pippen joined the team in 1987. Damn, the same 1987 where you averaged under 10 points per game, huh? Pippen said, I've seen Michael Jordan play before I came to the Bulls. You should have seen him play. He was a horrible player. He was horrible to play with. It was all one-on-one, shooting bad shots. All of a sudden, we become a team, and we start winning. Everybody forgot who he was. He was a player who was really not at the top of his category. Not even less than a limit a minute later, another ex-Chicago Bull, Stacey King, asked Pippen who would win between the 72 and 10 Bulls and the 73 and 9 Warriors. And Pippen said, Come on, man, we're the greatest team ever. Had MJ not left, we probably could have won two or three more titles. I thought Jordan was a horrible player. How could they have not won more two more titles? I guess Pippen would have counter-argued that his presence on the team would have lifted Jordan and the 98 Bulls to more titles. In the season that Scottie Pippen got, the season that Scottie Pippen got drafted in, oh, this season before, right? Michael Jordan averaged 37 points per game with five rebounds on five assists per game, shooting just under 50%, basically 49%. His efficiency and assists increased after Pippen's arrival, but nothing else. But we all know where this is coming from. This is coming from because Michael Jordan's son is coming in your ex-wife. That's what this is all about. 
I bet you Michael Jordan, as calculated and as strategic as he is, probably told his son to fuck Larsa Pippen because it's so fucking easy. It's so easy. Yo, man. Shout out to Uncut Hoops on YouTube, yo. Because that nigga said that Larsa Pippen's been passed around the NBA like DJ Augustine, bro. That was a bar. But it's the truth. I mean, Larsa, I mean, Scottie Pippen, man. This nigga is out of bounds. Hella out of bounds. We all know that this is coming from, you know, I played this in the intro. Corey Holcomb, I didn't have to say it, but Corey Holcomb said it for me. You wanted everything that Michael Jordan had. And just being a top 50 all-time player was not good enough for you. You wanted to be the number one guy. And you're not that guy. You wanted Jordan's presence. You wanted Jordan's worldwide impact. You wanted Jordan's credit. You wanted to be the number one guy, but you never could be. You were the number one guy a couple of times. One year, you were good. The next year, you was under 500, and you begged Michael Jordan to come back like the bitch you are. I can't believe this is the same Scottie Pippen that dunked over Patrick Ewing. Like, I lost all respect for Scottie Pippen at this point. You will never be Mike. You don't have Mike's bitches, Mike's money, Mike's Jordan brand, Mike's presence. You don't have anything close to that. And you ought to be ashamed and embarrassed of yourself because Michael Jordan gave you the credit that you deserve for helping the Bulls. It's not like he discredits you. It's not like he looked down upon you. He respects you as an equal. And for you to disrespect him like a nigga on the street, karma's a bitch. Karma's a bitch. That's all I'm really going to say. Because you know what you are? You're miserable. You're lonely. And you are just a disgrace to anyone that talks about basketball. To criticize not only a teammate that you've won six championships with. Six. Do you see Magic Johnson shitting on Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? Do you see, did you see Bill Russell shitting on Sam Jones and John Havlicek? It's like, come on, man. Stop this bullshit. Did you see Tony Parker bashing Tim Duncan? That's how ignorant this shit looks on him. And it's just very fucking sad. Man, Scotty got to be on drugs. He got to be on perks, something. 
Michael Jordan is not the forgiving type of guy, so you done fucked up your bag or what possibly Mike could help you with later down the line. All right, let's move on to this game because it's not that much news going on. Oh, yeah, I'm talking shit. There is a lot of news going on. It's New Music Fridays. I totally forgot about that shit. Well, we gonna have to change the title on that one. It's definitely New Music Fridays. Let's do New Music Fridays first before we get to the game. I knew I forgot something important. So there were four releases that I decided to review. And a lot of people are not going to like my honesty on this one. But the first release of the day that I decided to check out is Jay Worthy and Rock Marciano's Nothing Bigger Than The Program. Let's review, guys. So, we had the intro. This album is basically based on the movie The Program, which is about football. Let me get this shit the fuck up out of here. So, the intro is just a, a, a scene from the movie. Underground Legend featuring Bun B is amazing. Love it. Nothing bigger than The Program featuring Aston Matthews is okay. The Field featuring J305 is cool. The plug featuring Absol and Cocaine is okay. Wake up, though. Fire. Even Rock Marciano's verse, you know, even though I'm not a big fan of Rock Marciano as a rapper, more as a producer, um, Wake Up is a masterpiece. My own two featuring ASAP Ant and um, Bart Oatmeal. This was cool. How was incredible. How was incredible. Players only. Another banger. Simple Man featuring Corrupt. Corrupt had a classic Corrupt verse. That's all I'm going to tell you on this one. Fire. The Huddle featuring Bart Oatmeal. This was cool. Fur Coat Talk featuring Dash. Great closer. All in all, Jay Worthy delivers a solid project. This is definitely something that I'm going to replay. But this isn't necessarily the album of the year. But it isn't awful either. It's pretty much meets the criteria of above average. And definitely something that I'm going to slap. Next up, we got... The only art, uh, artist I know from Arkansas, <laughs> Carrie Foe, and she releases her new project called Real Bitches Don't Die. She is who I view as an underrated artist, not just an underrated rap artist, but just like an underrated all around artist. You know, there are prototypes like her, but she has a different, she uses like that Southern element. To make herself stand out as a person who can rap, who can sing, who can write. Uh, the intro, Real Bitches Don't Die, that was cool. 
H-Town is probably my least favorite song on here. Just, just wasn't feeling it. Me first, that's a slapper. Gemini is probably the second weakest song on here. I definitely skipped that one. Turning Heads featuring Big Crit. Man, Carrie and Big Crit went crazy on that bitch. Money Angels featuring Jazz Cartier. That's dope as fuck. Dog featuring Devin the Dude. Man, that record is a banger. I love that song. I love the premise. I love the subject matter. White Caprice featuring the late great Gangsta Boo. Dope. Fucking incredible. Make a Wish. I love that record. Thank You is just a uh, interlude. Past Life featuring Felix in the Mind. Dope. Love that record. Drunk Words, Sober Thoughts. This was awesome. Borrowed Time. Pretty much like Spoken Word, but on beat. Was fire. All in all, Real Bitches Don't Die. I mean... This showcases all of Carrie Foe's talents and abilities because, you know, she has a pretty good discography, definitely worthy of checking out. I definitely enjoyed myself with this project. All right, now let's move on to Lil Durk because he dropped his new album. Almost Healed. Interesting choice of a title. I mean, I'm pretty much, you know, wanting to see if he could uh, continue the uh, energy from his previous project, 7220. Therapy Session with Alicia Keys. Alicia Keys plays a counselor as she breaks down what Lil Dirk has been through within the last year as, you know, loss of his brother and his artist, King Vaughn. Pellicoat, not feeling this shit at all. It just seems like Lil Dirk is very repetitive on this album in particular, but Pellicoat just sounded like Something I've heard before. All My Life featuring J. Cole. Obviously. Um, this motherfucker is out of here. This is clearly a big hit record. And Dirk got him on. Never Again is just a song talking about betrayal. Nothing more, nothing less. Put them on ice is average. Big Dog featuring Chief Wuck is fired up. Never imagine with Future. I was kind of disappointed in this record. Even though it's okay, it's not a bad song, but I expected a little bit more out of the both of them. Sad songs was not particularly feeling that at all. Before Far. Fahar, this was dope. This was this was the Dirk that I was looking for. 
a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more street. War Bought It featuring 21 Savage, produced by Metro Boomin. It's a continuation of the street shit. You got him. Uh, this was mid grandson featuring um Kodak Black. Uh, wasn't feeling that shit at all, despite it being produced by Zaytoven and uh Metro Boomin. 300 euros, another raw, rugged street record that I like. Same side, once again, you know what I mean? Raw street, aggressive. That was fire. B12 was in the middle. This beat was different, though. It sounded like something I've never heard before. Um, at this point, we stuck, you know, one of those syrupy, corny love records, um, Cross the Globe featuring Juice World. I definitely enjoyed this record. That was fire. Drew Hill is pretty good. Belt to ass. I never understood the premise behind this. I never understood why this song was titled that. Wasn't necessarily a fan of this record either. Stand By Me featuring Morgan Wallen. Dirk and Wallen have done it once again as their wonderful collaborations reach a peak. And the closer track, Moment of Truth, is pretty strong closer. All in all, Almost Heal does not match the success musically of 7220 and the voice. Almost Heal, if this would if this 21 tracks would have been cut to like 17 or 16, I think we would have gotten a better effort out of Little Dirk. You know, I'm a little disappointed. But I shouldn't really have high expectations of an average rapper to begin with. Although he's still one of the hottest rappers in the game, I just feel like he uh, took a step backwards with the release of this project. Last but totally not least, I'm going to just be honest with y'all. I did not like this project that I'm about to talk about. Kodak Black released his new project, Pistols and Pearls. Now, normally, Kodak Black albums do not get no play in this ride. But I decided to give the nigga a chance. And let me tell you something. I was completely in shock about how horrible this album was. The opening track, Pistols and Pearls, it started out cool, but he just started rambling. And this is a tendency that he ended up having throughout this whole project where it would be like he would have a verse, but he wouldn't finish it, so he would just ramble and mumble. And that's what Pistols and Pearls ended up being. Roses featuring VVSence. This was cool because um, Kodak Black wasn't on this record. VV Essence is fire, though, on this, on this song. 
Getaway featuring Low Shimmy. Trash. Complete trash. Flirting with Death featuring Gordito Flow. It was good until Gordito Flow fucked the whole song up with that Spanish shit. Dirk McGurk featuring ESTG and Lil Cricks was above average. Slightly above average. Dope Boy Magic was trash. Trying to figure why is trash. Follow me is trash. Murder Mystery is dope. I definitely enjoyed Murder Mystery. Definitely one of my favorites on here. Church on Sunday featuring Sicko Bob, Wham, Spin the Bin, and Wiz the Wizard. Fire. Definitely one of the more, one of the records that I enjoyed. Beretta Love is trash. On the songs where Kodak Black was trying to carry a tune and sing, those records really irritated me. It's bad enough that this nigga is countryer than a syrup sandwich and doesn't articulate his words properly when he delivers his raps. Bad enough I had to tolerate that. I honestly, you know what, I'm going to just wait until the end. Fuck it. Beretta Love is trash. X's and O's is trash. Die Today is trash. Gunsmoke Town is dope. That was fire. I enjoyed Gunsmoke Town. That for real was mid. A Beautiful Rainbow is just okay. Snipers and Robbers is cool. Balance is ass. No Love for Thug was okay. Stay was cool. Down With You was mid. All in all, this Kodak Black album is fucking trash. And it's by far the worst project I've heard in 2023. This isn't me hating. This is me commenting from a critic standpoint it was only seven songs out of 21 that i enjoyed off of here and that's not a good sign i'm gonna just put it out there for the slow people i will never listen to another kodak black album in its entirety ever again and i'm gonna just stand on that now, without further ado, we will get to the uh, game six of the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics as the Boston Celtics, with less than two seconds left, pull off the victory and force game seven in Boston, a very hectic game seven in Boston, as the Boston Celtics defeated the Miami Heat once again, 104 to 103. And this is what the NBA playoffs is all about. The NBA playoffs is about perseverance, determination, mind state, decision-making, and will to win more than anything else. Two words, Derek White. Wow. He hit the most important bucket at the end of the game, which was pretty much a tip-in because Jason Tatum missed the contested layup and Derek White cleaned up with like a 0.2 seconds left. It's got to be a heartbreaker for Miami as the Miami Heat are officially in trouble. And I told y'all, Miami's lack of talent is like catching up to them. 
They even had Gabe Vincent back, and it came down to a bucket. And it just simply came down to Boston's will to win because Boston had control of this game mostly. And Miami put up a fight this time and kept the game close. Let's look at the statistics of this game as Marcus Smart had 21 points, 7 of 15 from the field. Derek White had 11 points, but he had two of those points was the most crucial. Jason Tatum had 31 points, 12 rebounds, 5 assists. Jalen Brown had 26 points, 10 rebounds. Rob Williams had 10 points and 7 rebounds. Not much bench production here, but not needed. Miami, despite having six niggas in double figures, still lost this game. Jimmy Butler, I think if Jimmy Butler hits 10 of 21, they win this game. And Jimmy Butler has 11, 12, maybe 13, 14 points more. And a closeout. Butler shot 5 of 21 from the field. The blame has got to go his direction, unfortunately, because he missed 16 shots and shot 23% from the field. But despite poor shooting, he got it done at the free throw line, including the free throws that could have uh, advanced them to the NBA Finals. But unfortunately, Derek White... Spoil the party for Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler had 24 points, 11 rebounds, 8 assists. Caleb Martin, great performance. 21 points, 15 boards. Bam Adebayo was disappointing once again. Shot 4 of 16. So the duo of Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo... Shot 9 of 37 from the field. And the crazy part is they lost by one point. So they got all the help from their role players. And their two star players could not step up. See, this is what I be talking about when I be saying that Miami has a lacking of talent. And that lacking of talent has caught up to them. Niggas is talking about, oh man, you know. If they blow this 3-0 lead, it's going to be the biggest embarrassment ever. It'll be one of the biggest embarrassments ever. But you have to sit and think about this. This is an overachieving Miami team anyway. An 8 seed that's really not supposed to be there. Going seven games with a team that was picked to come out of the East. A team that they were a bucket away of going to the NBA Finals. So Miami's back is up against the wall once again. My thoughts on this is very simple, yo. The Heat are in trouble. And they're in grave danger of being the first team. To blow a 3-0 lead in NBA history. You don't want to be on the wrong side of history because people will never let you live that down.
There's no, there's still no pressure on the Boston Celtics whatsoever. All the pressure is on Miami to win this game now. But the keys for the Heat in the next game, Bam Adebayo has to be offensively aggressive. Jimmy Butler's not going to shoot 5 of 21 again. But that's got to be disappointing to lose a closeout game at home. You lost two closeout potential closeout games in Miami. I, I still can't believe that this has happened. Well, hopefully uh, Boston does win to get my record to 500. All right, this is King Known Uncensored. Game six, New Music Fridays. And I'm out of here.